Taiwan's central bank says it will continue to intervene in the foreign exchange market despite U.S. concerns. A day earlier, the U.S. Treasury added Taiwan to a monitoring list of countries suspected of currency manipulation. It's the first time Taiwan has been named on the list since 2017. When asked about the issue, the central bank's deputy governor said that watch list or no, Taiwan would continue to take steps to stabilize its currency against the U.S. dollar. He stressed that Washington's main concern was not the foreign exchange rate, but rather Taiwan's large trade surplus with the U.S. Officials from the Central Bank, the Ministry of Finance, the Financial Supervisory Commission and the National Development Council are all on standby. The questions come one after the other. On the foreign exchange rate, housing policies and the U.S.'s adding of Taiwan to a currency manipulation watch list. The U.S. has once again placed us on its monitoring list. What that reflects is the overall situation in the global economy, the changes in it and Taiwan's own changes. For example, this time the main issue is our trade surplus with the U.S. It's exceeded their standards. The manufacturing firms that reshore to Taiwan will leave again if the rates dip too low. So we've been looking for ways to stabilize the new Taiwan dollar. Under U.S. pressure, will the central bank step back? For example, in the past, when we discussed this issue with the U.S. Department of the Treasury, they didn't put much pressure on us. What they are asking of us now is to disclose more information on several aspects of our policies and to make that data more transparent. The central bank deputy governor said efforts would continue to maintain the exchange rate. He said Taiwan would reach out to the U.S. to communicate how the trade surplus was created by circumstances of the U.S.-China trade war. When asked if Taiwan's currency would be allowed to surge past 28 NT to the U.S. dollar, Yen struck a cautious tone. Will the Taiwan dollar surge past the 28 NT mark in the short term? That would depend on the economic situation and developments in Taiwan and overseas. Then the contentious issue of real estate speculation took the floor. Pan Blue lawmakers asked why the Financial Supervisory Commission and the Ministry of Finance failed to take concrete steps against housing speculation, even after the central bank had done so. Give us a timeline for the draft on property speculation taxes. The soonest that will be done is within the coming year, as amending the law requires approval from the legislative yuan. Industry leaders are keeping a close eye on the Taiwan dollar while concerns grow over real estate speculation. The four government agencies have the work cut out for them. Taiwanese car manufacturer Hertai Motor has launched a brand new taxi hailing platform, Yushi Fleet. It aims to have 2,000 vehicles on the streets by the end of 2020. Rival car maker Yulon is also assembling an electric taxi fleet, which will head out under the banner of the Line taxi platform. Experts say the partnerships could usher in a new era for the industry. <laughs> A sticker as big as the car body is stuck on, then the taxi light. When the makeover is complete, the driver hops in and gets straight to it. Hertai Motor has entered the taxi car market with its new Yushi brand. All its vehicles are under five years old. 
When you order a cab, you can click no chat please or no music thank. And the company is quoting drivers as well as customers. 80% of Taiwan's taxis use their vehicles. They've put out a special offer to draw drivers into the Yuxi fold. In the past, we had competition between industries. Now you see some technologies that come all in, but they don't compete with you directly. They're destructive innovations, so your competitor has become invisible. This trend has made Japanese factories start to transition from production to mobility services. Hetai is not just interested in the taxi market. They're aiming at the mobile economy, advertising, user habits, big data from vehicles, and new opportunities in payment services. Not to be outdone, Yulong features electronic cars in its fleet, which will launch this month in collaboration with Line Taxi. The two big automakers have set their sights on the mobile industry, from taxi services to the vehicles themselves. For such big companies to try to get into the taxi services industry at this time, I'm sure they must have spotted some problems for drivers. Of course, we see lots of gigantic platforms now, with a lot of diverse services. But perhaps some drivers still feel dissatisfied with some of these things. New platforms have certainly brought new options to drivers and riders alike. Taiwan is home to many platforms. Taiwan Taxi with 22,000 cabs, M-Taxi with 10,000, Uber with 6,000 vehicles, and now since 2019, Line Taxi with 6,000 cars. They're going all out to win rides, offering services like breakdown relief or even emergency rescue. It's market competition. If there's a restaurant here and another one opens next door, what's the problem? It's providing another option for taxi services, another choice for consumers. I think there's nothing wrong with it. Yulong and Hetai have the cars already, and as they bring their big data, payment services and customers as well, they could make big waves as they pair up with taxi platforms. The Industrial Technology Research Institute has unveiled a leading-edge testing facility for green energy technology. It's called Subtropical Performance Testbed for Innovative Energy Research in Buildings, or SPINLAB for short. SPINLAB can rotate 360 degrees so that researchers can evaluate how different sunlight orientations affect the performance of green products and technology. This facility is the first of its kind in a subtropical zone. With its abundant sunshine, Tainan is a natural choice for a solar energy base. In the Shaolin area of Tainan, the central and local governments have built a demonstration space for green energy technology. A highlight is this solar-powered tree that breaks out in a colorful LED light show each night. It's become an Instagram hotspot. The area is also home to energy-saving demonstration homes modeled after the townhouses common in Tainan. Equipped with smart energy-saving technologies that maximize renewable power, they let households cut their energy consumption by half. Through this experimental platform that we built, we are able to accelerate technology R&D and take it to that last mile, so that we can push it to commercial applications. I think that for Taiwan's carbon reduction goals and for the future of our energy sector, this platform provides a considerable positive contribution. We're hoping to test and run various integrated technologies here. In addition, we're hoping to build an industrial cluster here in Shaolin. 
Another highlight is this building called the Spin Lab, which rotates to simulate different sunshine orientations. It can be used for the performance verification of green energy building technology and other products. I believe that everyone agrees on the goal of shifting to green energy. How do we increase development and installations without affecting the people's quality of life? That's a goal we're all working toward. E-Tree is developing the Shaolun site alongside 12 foreign and domestic manufacturers. It hopes that the Shaolun Smart Green Energy Science City will serve as a key base for Taiwan's energy transition. A retired Englishman named Peter Lowe came to Taiwan to visit his son this year. When his flight was cancelled due to COVID, he extended his stay and spearheaded a cleanup campaign for the Danseray River. Lowe was astonished by the amount of garbage he discovered in the river. He began picking up the trash himself, bit by bit. Along the way, he's inspired a devoted bunch of locals to do the same. Stephanie Yang has the story. We're currently at the Anse River. There are quite a lot of trash along the riverbanks, so a group of volunteers come here a few times a week to clean up the trash. The worst is this kind of plastic, which breaks up into tiny microparticles, which goes into the food chain, and the fish, shrimps, prawns eat it, and everyone eats the fish, the shrimps and the prawns. I'll tell you, it's terrible, really. Along the shore of the Damsway River, there are a few items that don't belong. Plastic water bottles, styrofoam, fisherman nets, plastic crates, and more. The trash strewn here varies, ranging from the plastic bags and PET bottles to household waste. After discovering the astonishing volume of garbage here, Lowe rolled up his sleeves and got to work. I usually find plastic bottles, um, fishing, fishermen's, fishermen's nets, plastic crates, crates, all sorts of plastic, plastic bags. Uh, plastic bags are very terrible because they look like squid when they're in the sea because they're, 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 they're clear like squid and whales and, and that kind of creature eats, eats them and they get plastic in their, in their stomachs and it happens a lot, you know, all around the world. This is a global problem. It's not, it's not just here, it's global. If, it's not, if it doesn't get stopped now, if, if we don't stop this now, what, what will the future hold? I don't know. There are now 20 volunteers who join Lowe. They row their canoes and sampans two to three days a week along Damsay River to pick up rubbish along the riverbank and mangrove. As the tide rises and falls at the estuary, trash gets stuck between branches in the mangroves on both sides. The volunteers have to work together to pull up garbage that's buried deep in the river. We found quite a lot of trash along the mangroves as well. As you can see, I found a bucket. There's also a lot of plastic that gets hung up in the mangrove trees just on the edges. Now that's full of bird, bird life and insect life and all sorts of different lives and they are living amongst plastic and, and when I see it I, I feel sad actually. I, I've seen birds tangled up with, with fishing nets, birds tangled up with plastic bags around them and plastic... Uh, and another bad one is, um, is face masks. When they get discarded they have a string at the end and that gets tangled around birds feet as well. I was the first person to discover that Peter was picking up rubbish. Seeing how hard he worked, I felt deeply moved. I think we need to help him. After all, the power of any one person is limited. If we can influence other people, other people in Taipei, then the waters of Taipei City will become very clean. Chen Mingzong, a volunteer as well as a boatmaker, said that each time they go out, the volunteers gather more than 20 bags of garbage in just two hours. Without their boats, the volunteers would not be able to transport all that waste. 
So far, they've mostly found food wrappers and a large number of glass bottles. They also found a number of discarded hypodermic synergies and some collapsible road signs from roadworks. This group of volunteers is mostly retirees. They range from a former shoe factory owner, martial arts teacher, financial specialist, shipbuilder, and costume designer. There's also a 22-year-old. A lot of rubbish is buried there, and then we can't pull it up. Our efforts alone are not enough. I hope that through this activity, everyone will pay attention to this issue. There's a large amount of styrofoam garbage. Many fishermen use this as a boy. I hope that the government can restrict its use. It is cheap and easy to use, but is discarded very quickly. If they don't have a place to recycle it, they throw it into the river. It's so easy for the fish to eat it. In the mangroves here, all the rubbish comes down from, with the, from Taipei gets brought up by the tide, gets deposited here. These volunteers say there's also quite a bit of trash along the sidewalk. The volunteers hope to encourage everyone who comes to the river to pick up trash when they see it, to do their part in keeping Taiwan's rivers clean for everyone to enjoy. For most of the news, Stephanie Yang, Wudong Mao in Taipei. A new project at two Taiwan universities hopes to help people learn Hokkien, the language commonly known as Taiwanese. Using artificial intelligence, researchers created a speech recognition program that can transcribe Taiwanese into Chinese characters in real time. Let's see how it works. This primetime drama delivered in Taiwanese is incomprehensible to many younger viewers. To revitalize the language, Taipei Tech and National Jiao Tong University built a speech recognition system that understands Taiwanese. As this Taiwanese language news broadcast plays, a live transcript appears on screen. The team first had to create a speech library with recordings collected from more than 600 people across Taiwan. There are more than 300 hours of Taiwanese as it's spoken in different localities. Working with a television station, developers trained the software on Taiwanese language dramas. These days, the Taiwanese language is actually best preserved in TV soap operas. So we asked FTV for a sizable speech corpus. It must have been at least 1,000 or 2,000 hours of content, several thousands. Only by training our software on that could it have any hope of working. FTV, with its extensive experience in local productions, provided some 3,000 hours of content from shows like Perfect Neighbors and Mom's House. The corpus was run through the AI-based voice recognition system. To date, it's reached an accuracy rate of 80%. I'd say that this is the first comprehensive corpus of its kind in Taiwan. National Jiao Tong University is pretty impressive in that it was able to find its way to us. That's something that gives me a great sense of pride. We do care very much about promoting Taiwanese. This collaboration with Taipei Tech and National Jiao Tong University has allowed the dramas here at FTV to go beyond the traditional medium of television. In the realm of AI, they found another place to shine. The team developed another system that turns Mandarin Chinese text into Taiwanese speech, read out by a composite of four professional Taiwanese instructors. This program already has its own webpage and will soon have a mobile app to let locals brush up on the Taiwanese on the go. 
The coach of badminton's world number one, Dai Ziying, has spoken out about the serendipities that led to their professional pairing. Lai Jiancheng gave up his own pro badminton career before meeting Dai by chance during his military service. In an interview with the Badminton World Federation, he also revealed the lengths he went to to upgrade the training of the future badminton queen. As Dai wins the All England Open Badminton Championships, her coach Lai Jiancheng cheers from the side. Lai has been Dai's biggest help in her ascent to badminton queendom. He revealed to BWF how their goal was not at first to reach number one. We hadn't set a specific target to become the world number one. We focused more on her unforced errors in the match or areas of improvement. Now 35, Lai retired from his own pro badminton career young. He stopped age 21 to focus on his academic studies. Meeting Dai was a coincidence. He was serving at her school for his military service and became her sparring partner by chance. With no career of his own to occupy him, he could focus on her. At that time, Lai was doing his substitute military service in my high school. He had just retired from badminton and didn't need to manage his own career, so he could train with me. My impression of female players was that they weren't very strong. But when I first sparred with Dai, I realized that she was very strong and powerful. Lai and Dai have now worked together over 10 years. They seem more like close friends than teacher and pupil. Lai also spoke about his quest to find new training techniques for Dai. If they followed established methods, he said, they would never do something new. To help Dai reach new heights, they had to think outside the box. 